All right, so we are in chapter 7 of the story. And as this opening video kind of depicts, we have this intense scene coming up. A story of, of spies, a story of battles, a story of, of what's next. Hollywood is so good at portraying things that we would call courageous. I heard, heard whispers over here as the video was playing of James Bond. There's this, this sense of spy movie coming on where there's this intensity, right? And we look at people like, like James Bond and other characters who, who portray this image of courage. A, a few of the guys went out and saw the movie Fury a few weeks ago, and it's this World War II movie of this tank group this, this, um, they've got several tanks, and they end up down to just one tank. And this tank is responsible for taking this intersection and defending this intersection and making sure the enemy does not get through. And as they get to this intersection, the tank breaks down. And now they are a lame duck stuck in the mud, and they have a decision to make. Do we stay here and defend this intersection? Do we defend this cross point, knowing that it will probably lead to their death? Or do we abandon this tank and go hide and let the enemy through? And you see the look on their face as, as the leader of the group confidently says, I'm staying here. You guys go, but I am staying here. And one by one, the other guys are like, okay, we're going to stay here as well. We are going to hold this intersection. And I, th I think about putting myself into a situation like that, this Hollywood portrayal of courage, and think, what would I do in those kind of circumstances? Would I be the first to run and hide? Would I be looking out for myself instead of the greater good of, of everyone else? Or would I stand firm and stand in that intersection and defend in that battle? I think we all look at movies like this and think, okay, what would I do if I was in that situation? If I was in that building that was burning, if I was in that war situation, if I was in that conflict, if I were in this place where courage was demanded of me, would I have the guts, would I have the strength to face that fear and follow through? Can I face my fears with courage? We're in chapter 7 of the story where we have the leader Joshua who is, is coming to the promised land and he is faced with an opportunity. And he's faced with a challenge and he is faced with fear. For those of you who are visiting with us or, or haven't been around for a bit, we're going through this book called The Story. And the story is a collection of scriptures that gives us the narrative of scripture from beginning to end. And we're going through chapter by chapter each week as we see the meta story of God working from the beginning of creation to the story that we continue on today. And so if you don't have a copy of that, please pick one up from the foyer on your way out and be reading along with us. There's a reading guide out there as well. So this week we're on chapter 7. For those of you who have a book and a regular, how many of you have read chapter 7? How many of you read chapter 7? Very good. Be reading chapter 7, all right? Very good. Good job, Nick. All right, so be reading chapter 7. Everybody together. This is a great thing to do as a family. This is a great thing to do with your kids. There's age-appropriate versions. But let's be reading through this together as we prepare each week 
for the message God has for us. Many of us have read these stories many times. But hopefully in this pursuit, you are seeing something new that you have never seen before. That God is speaking into your life and into your circumstances in a new and fresh way. So chapter 7, Moses has died before um, the people enter the promised land. And so we know that they've been wandering around for the last 40 years, and they finally get there, and God shows Moses the promised land, but says, you can't go. And at that time, Moses dies, and they appoint a new leader. God appoints Joshua to be the new leader of the Israelites. And we've heard of Joshua before. He's a younger, next-generation leader. He shows up in the story 40 years earlier where they're in the desert and and Moses sends out spies. He sends out 12 spies to go get a lay of the land, find out what we're up against, find out what there is that God has promised for us. And these spies come back with a report and this is the report that they get. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Here's the good news, but here's the bad news. We've got this great land. It's full of milk and honey and this incredible fruit, but the people there are pretty big. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, whatever those are, but they sound big. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and they looked down on us the same to them. So here we are, we're going in and we're scoping out the land, and there's a great promise, there's a great thing, there's a greatness here that they can, they can get if they would just have the courage to go do it. But we've got the spies who come back and say, they are huge, We are just grasshoppers. We are not going to be able to go up against them. We can't do it. And so, what do they do? They wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. But there were two spies, Caleb and Joshua, who said, we can do it, we can do it, we can go in there. God is with us. We can take this land. But the complaints of the people and the fears of the people overwhelmed their voices and they did not pursue what God had promised them what God had given them and so they wonder and so this is what leads us up to the story of Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 the start of chapter 7 of the story let's read together Joshua 1 verses 2 through 7 Moses my servant is dead Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the deserts to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. God says it's a new time. It's a new era. It is time for you to take the promised land. And I know you've been there, Joshua. You have seen what you were up against. You have seen what these people are like. And I tell you, I tell you to be strong, to be courageous, even in that situation. Joshua has seen with his own eyes the enemy that they face. And there is fear. There has been generations of fear. And, and, the, and God says it is time. It is time to take this land that I have promised you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Four times in this chapter he says, be strong and courageous. There is something to fear. There is a great enemy. But be strong. Be courageous in the midst of that. He's preparing them for what's going to happen. He knows what they're going to face. And he knows that they will have to be strong to face giants that they're up against. They will have to be courageous to face the walls that they're up against. And so God is preparing them. And I think God does the same thing for us. God prepares us now for what will be required later. He prepares us now for what will be required later. And we don't always see that. But if you will look at the story of your life, if you were, to, if you were able to just open up a book and read your story, can you see how God has prepared you for the things that you're up against? We're never fully prepared because we still have to be strong and we still have to be courageous. But he has done something in you. He has prepared you for something. And that goes for this week as well. God is speaking to you through this story. He is telling you something and he is preparing you for something that you're going to face this week. You will face something this week that he has prepared you for. He is going to ask you to be obedient in faith. He's going to ask you to go up against your fears. He's going to ask you to take a risk. Will you be strong and courageous when called upon? Because he's giving you a message to prepare you. He's saying, be strong and courageous. He's preparing us for challenges, for obstacles that we all face. And so when we get up to that wall, when we get up to that challenge, and we look at this and say, God, how am I going to overcome this? He is preparing us for that. What do we do in that? What are the walls in your life? What are the Jerichos? What are the battles? What are the things that you come up against? And you get to that wall, and you have to rely on God's promise. You have to rely on God's encouragement to be strong and courageous. What is that wall that you stand up against? Is it a health diagnosis? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it an obstacle of some sort that's in your life? Something is standing there and you face this wall. Maybe it's a wall that you've been avoiding for a long time. You've seen it and you've run the other way. And you've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years avoiding that wall. But that wall is there. We come across those in our life all the time. 
And we think as we stand at the base of that wall, there is nothing that I can do. There is no way that I can respond to this. There is no way I can tackle this. I cannot get through that wall. I cannot get over that wall. It is too much for me. But God prepares them. He says, be strong. Be courageous. Pay attention to the language here that God gives Joshua. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Okay, pay attention to the grammar there. I have delivered Jericho. Now, if you're following along in the story, if you're reading along, you know that they're still not to Jericho. Jericho has not been defeated. The walls still stand strong. And here, God is telling Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho. See, God says things like this. He tells us things. He says, I have delivered. He speaks of things. He speaks of what has happened. He speaks of things in the, in the future tense, in the past tense. He looks and says, it hasn't really happened, but I promise you that it has. He speaks of what has not happened as if it already had. And so here's an interesting and helpful definition of courageous faith. Courageous faith is speaking of what hasn't happened as if it already has. I can come up to this wall and say, it has been defeated. God says, I have delivered you from this. And I can approach that wall and say that confidently because God has made those promises. It hasn't happened yet, but I can stand to that wall and hold to the truth of God's promises. That deliverance is ours. Freedom is ours. Because he promises us that. It's not just something we want. You, know, you, can, you can take this too far and say, I really want to speak that this is happening. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to win the lottery. But what has God promised us? We know what God has promised us. We read his promises in his word. And so we can declare those as truths. God promises 14 times as we've read through, I will give you the land. I will give you the land. And here he is, generation after generation, people doubting that. God has made this promise. And so God can say, I have delivered it. Joshua and the people are full of courage. They get this great pep talk. God says, be strong and courageous. And, and they're finally ready to actually do this. They've gone through enough. They've experienced enough. They remember God. They remember the power of God and the work that he is doing through this story. And they have enough courage now to walk through with this. And so God gives them the battle plan. Here's the battle plan. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day of this, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. 
When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. All right. Here is the city of Jericho. It is time for us to take it. And here is the battle plan. You are going to be a marching band going around blowing trumpets. And so we look at this building. There's this big brick wall under here. If you've been here long enough, you know what that brick wall looked like. There is this brick wall here. John, if you brought your trumpet in here and blew at that wall, how long would it take you to knock it down? Yeah, so this is the plan. We're going to blow a trumpet at it. And so this is what God gives them. And so they're ready to go. They're all courageous. And it's like, here we go. We're going to take Jericho. And here's the plan. It's a bit ridiculous. And I don't think anything describes how ridiculous it is than this here. I think we're forgetting something. Ahem. The Lord hath given this land to us, no need to fuss. He knows what he's doing, we know that he will take care of us, if we will follow him. As your new leader, I think we should try doing it God's way first. Well, God's way still sounded kind of funny, but the Israelites agreed to give it a try. And the next morning, there they were, marching around Jericho. It wasn't long before the people of Jericho noticed the Israelites. What are you doing? We're going to knock your wall down. By walking around in circles? Yes. It's not because we're crazy or anything. Our God told us to do it this way. Oh, that's a great idea. You go ahead and keep walking. Won't you join me in my irritating little zone? It would be an honor. Keep walking. But you will knock down our wall, keep walking. But she isn't gonna fall, it's plain to see. Your brains are very small to think walking. We'll be knocking down our wall. You silly little pickles. You silly little bees. You think that walking around will bring this city to its knees? The awesome powers of this wall we've clearly demonstrated. But out here in the hot, hot sun, perhaps you're dehydrated? So it really is that ridiculous, right? They don't have to stretch the story much to make it an entertaining children's story because it really is a silly plan. We're going to knock your wall down by walking around in circles? 
Yes, that's God's plan because God is going to set up a plan that is so ridiculous that only he can be credited for the victory. That we have to depend on God for the victory for it to happen because it's not going to be in his in Joshua's power. It's not going to be in the army's power. They are not going to penetrate those walls on their own. God is going to give that to them. Now, there are some things that are courageous, and then there are other things that just seem plain dumb, right? And so I'm sure the Israelites are looking at this thinking, okay, is this a really courageous plan, or is this just really dumb? And they look at this wall, and they look at the plan, and they wonder, what is God doing through this? Joshua may have led the winning army through this, but because of the plan, it was very clear that this battle belongs to the Lord, that the victory is his. You see, courage is not the absence of fear, but moving forward in spite of fear. When you look at someone who who displays great courage, it is not because the fear does not exist. It's because they are moving forward regardless. It's the guys in the tank who say, we're going to stay here even though we're scared to death. It's Joshua and the Israelites going up against this ridiculously large wall and facing that fear because God has called them to do it. Courage isn't moving forward because you don't have fear. It's moving forward in spite of that. And we have a tendency to avoid things because of fear. We have this fear and we just, we just put it off to the side. We get to that wall and we just walk away from it. We ignore that it exists. We, we pretend like it's not really a wall. We, we decorate it or try to hide it or try to fix it so that we don't really have to deal with it. And we avoid fear all the time. We get into relationship challenges and it's much easier just to avoid the other person than, confre- than confronting the challenge. It's easier whenever you have financial challenges to just avoid that bill that comes in. It's easier whenever there is help needed to turn our head and walk away and do something else. When a child needs discipline and we just avoid that because we don't want to deal with the the struggle that it is. We have these fears and we want to avoid those fears. And when when courage is called for, We tend to avoid those situations. We're faced with this wall and we want to avoid it. We want a distraction. We want to move in a different direction. But the story that we're going through, the story of God, is telling us something very different. It's telling us that even if you are afraid, even when you face the wall, you keep moving forward. God says, be strong and courageous. And so you have Joshua as a young man, as a spy, saying, hey, we can do this. We can take this city. We can take this land. But we have an older generation who's afraid to say, go. And they kill the whole thing. It's too scary. It's too challenging. We're not going to do it. And so they wander in the desert for 40 years. And now they're 40 years later, a generation later, those complainers are now dead and they're facing their fear again. But this is their second chance and this time they take it. And this time, what makes it different is they went from focusing on their 
smallness to focusing on God's bigness. Because before, whenever they first went, it's like, we are just grasshoppers. We can't fight those guys. I'm focusing on my smallness. I can't tackle that. I can't deal with that. I can't face that. And so I'm focusing on my smallness. But now we have a generation that comes up and they are going to focus on God's bigness. That God is who he says he is. His promises are true. His faithfulness is always there. And God is calling us to something better. And so we have a generation here who remembers the mighty acts of God. They remember the work that he does. They remember how big he is. And now they can confidently face their fears and move forward. They do not get to that wall and stand still. They do not avoid their fears. They push through even though the plan is absolutely ridiculous. And they follow through with that. You know, how would our stories dramatically change if we would do this? If we would focus on the bigness of God instead of our smallness. That the bigness of God is what drives our decisions. He is bigger than your bank account. He is bigger than your career. He is bigger than your marriage. He's bigger than your relationships. He's bigger than any difficulty you face. He's bigger than that addiction. He's bigger than that heartache. He's bigger than that brokenness. And so we can face that wall with confidence, knowing that God is bigger. But so often, we focus in on our smallness. I'm just a grasshopper. I can't do this. I'm too weak for this. But God is bigger than your wall. Isaiah gives us this image of the bigness of God. The bigness of God. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? All right, how much water can you fit right there? Right there in the palm of your hand? Maybe a tablespoon, not much. God measures the waters of the ocean in that hand. He takes that water and there's the Pacific Ocean. And he takes that water and there's the Atlantic Ocean. He takes and measures in the palm of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens. You've got the breadth of the hand that's used for measuring things, and and from one star to the next, God just measures that. There's one galaxy to the next, one solar system to the next, and he measures that with his hand. Who has held the, the dust of the earth in a basket? Think of all the dirt around here, all the dust. And he can measure that in a basket. Or weigh the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. He weighs these things out. The mountains and the hills. Think about how big God is. And that's just in terms that our mind can comprehend. Because anything bigger than that in our mind just explodes. Our mind is blown on the bigness of of God. And this is the God that we serve. This is the God who calls down to us and says, here's my plan. Here's what I'm calling you to. Be strong and courageous because I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. What would happen if we took the focus off of our smallness and onto God's bigness? 
Sounds great, right? Sounds incredible. It sounds so powerful. Who wants to live in fear? I don't want to live in fear. I don't want that kind of life. I don't want a situation where I have to run and hide. But I do that all the time. My life is full of fears. Full of fears. But that is not the life that I want. More than anything else, the thing that gets us off of our smallness and onto God's bigness is prayer. If we will spend time in prayer, if we will spend time taking our eyes off the wall and on to God and, and who He is and what He has called us to and His bigness that takes the eyes off of me and moves those eyes upwards. See, that's the discipline of prayer. That's the practice of prayer in our lives. Because we're acknowledging our smallness. We're acknowledging our weakness. We're acknowledging our brokenness. And before him saying, you are God. You are bigger than I can imagine. You are more powerful than I even understand and can comprehend. And it's through prayer that we take our eyes off of our smallness and onto God's bigness. We put our full trust in him. And so I've heard it said that courage is fear that has said its prayers. It's not a lack of fear, but it's fear that said its prayers. Prayer is one of those things that, quite honestly, I'm weak at. It's something that I wrestle with and I'm challenged by and I'm convicted of. But I know and I have experienced when my prayer life is in check, those fears don't have a hold anymore. When I am acknowledging who God is and confessing who he is and realizing my smallness and realizing his bigness and realizing his control in the things that are going on, oh, that's where I want to be more. And I wrestle with that. You see, we have an enemy that wants to put walls up against us. He wants to discourage us. He does not want us to be courageous. He wants us to live in fear. This enemy wants to confuse you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to tell you that God really isn't as big as he says he is. You really can figure this out more. As we think back on the story, we've been all the way back to chapter 1 and the story of the garden where, where Adam and Eve are confronted with this. Of, do we really trust who God is? Is he really who he says he is? Or am I going to put my own understanding, my own strength into this instead? And prayer is one of those things that turns those things around. I put out a post on my Facebook yesterday asking for people to respond with, with lies, just five words of a lie that robs their story of strength and courage? What are lies that we believe that rob us of our strength and courage? Here's some of them. You're not smart enough. You can never do enough. You're not skinny enough. No one will love you. There's no way you can fill in the blank. You've made too many mistakes. I can do it myself. That goes against our tradition. You're not equipped yet. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You'd better be really careful. 
You're too fat for pants. Not sure what the story is on that one. You will never have victory. Do more to be a real Christian. Your feelings aren't valid. You've got to do it yourself. What will that lead to? Your life has no purpose. You're too broken to be used by God. I'm not good enough. God doesn't hear me. You're not worth it. When I get it right, you're not as smart as. God does not hear me. That situation, that kid, that person will never change. It's all up to you. It's someone else's job. I'm not qualified yet. You have no place here. I ain't going to make it. So many lies that Satan uses to convince us that that wall is impossible. I can't get past it. I can't break through it. But God has a different message for us. He does not want us to live in fear. He does not want us to, to listen to these lies. And so here are five new words. Five words that God gives us. I will be with you. I will be with you. The God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the God who is so big and so mighty, he says to you, I will be with you. Not somebody else, not in a different situation, not in a different church or a different town or a different place. I will be with you. And so stand up against that wall. Face the wall because I will be with you. He says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one, no one, no wall, no obstacle, no enemy will stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you. I'm there with you. Take courage in that. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Because I am with you. Jesus gives us the same, the same message in the Gospels. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In John chapter 14, he says that I'm not leaving you alone. I am sending a comforter to help you. You are not left alone in this battle. You are not walking to that wall as a single individual person. You are walking up to that wall with the Spirit of God in you. The Spirit of God rests in you as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And we face that wall. We walk up to that wall. And we just blow because the Spirit will breathe through that, and the Spirit will work through that, and will win that battle. We don't live a life full of fear. We live a life full of courage, a life full of strength, because God is at work in us. And so what has God called you to? He calls us to different things. Different things that take incredible courage. It may be a conversation with the coworker that you need to have. It may be a practice at work that you need to change. 
It may be a conversation with the spouse or a child or, or some relative. It may be just submitting to God and waiting for him to work. Waiting those seven days as you march around feeling like you're completely wasting your time. As you walk around and around and around. And then finally on that seventh day, the walls come down. What are those walls that you stand up against? What are the battles that you face? And how do we engage in that battle? I am more and more convicted that we have to be battling this out with prayer. Among other things, but prayer. That we need to be a praying people, that we need to be a people that are on our knees. We need to be a people who are praying together. We need to be a people that are praying individually, but we are a people of prayer. Because we have to focus on our smallness. Or not focus on our smallness. We have to focus on God's bigness. And so we need to be a people of prayer. And this is something that, that often makes us uncomfortable. I'm not sure how to do that. I don't really know what that is. You know, if I actually pray about this, then I have to acknowledge that the wall exists. And for many of us, we don't even want to acknowledge to anybody that that wall actually exists. We try to cover it up and hide it and say that wall isn't really there. No, I'm not really hurting. No, I'm not really struggling. I don't have anything wrong with me. We get into groups and we have prayer requests and we talk about our sister's friend's dog who's at the vet. And we should be talking about the walls that we face, the things that we are struggling with, the difficulties that we face. Can we be transparent with each other enough to acknowledge that we have walls in front of us and we cannot tackle those walls alone? That we need each other we need each other to stand with us to be able to tackle those. And so I say, what is God calling you to? What is his challenge to you? And what is that thing that you were so afraid of that you do not want to take care of? For me, my greatest fear, my greatest fear was that my boss would find out that I was using pornography. That I was in a church, I was working at a church, and I had a boss, and I, had to, I, I was so fearful that he would ever find out. And so my greatest fear was to go and say, I have to have this conversation with you. I have to talk through this with you. Because my marriage will not survive, I will not survive, my faith will not survive if I do not confront this fear. And so, there are fears that we face. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. I want this to be a place that is about prayer, that's about the bigness of God, and not about our smallness. And so I, I really want to call us into this. And so on Wednesday night, I want to hijack our plans of what we typically do on a Wednesday night. And we're just going to come into here and we're going to have a time of prayer. And we're going to pray about the bigness of God and the work that he does and the work that he's doing in the city and the work that he's doing through Montgomery. 
So we're going to have dinner at 5.30. Come to dinner. It's awesome. If you haven't been coming to dinner, you need to come. It's a great experience. Come to dinner at 5.30, and then at 6.30, we're going to come in here for a time of prayer. We're going to pray for this church, and we're going to pray for this community, and we're going to pray for our kids and our families. We're going to pray for our health and for all the things that we're battling against. Because God is big. God is big. Let's be standing. We're trying to create each week an opportunity for this prayer time to happen. And this is a time where it can be uncomfortable because historically and traditionally, if you go down front, it means you have a really big problem and everybody thinks you're weird. And so coming forward for prayer means that you're weak. It means that you're small. It means that God's big. And so there is no reason to not come and seek the prayer of a shepherd. There's no reason not to seek the prayer of friends and people that are in small group and people that are in your community. This is a time of prayer. God says, be strong, be courageous, do not be afraid. Let's pray. God, we surrender to you. We acknowledge that we are so small. Man, I like to think I'm big. I, I like to think that I'm important. And God, I confess to you that I'm not. You are so much bigger than my biggest of problems. And so, God, I pray that you will work in this place, that you will move through us, that you will encourage us and strengthen us, give us great courage to face the fears that we're up against. Whatever you're calling us to that we are afraid of, whatever wall you are calling us to tear down, I pray that we will approach that with great courage, relying on you, relying on you and your promises to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.